to thee. And we pray that you'll keep us humble and thankful and ever looking upward. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, in the Gospel according to St. Luke chapter 17, verse 26-27, he warned us that the days preceding his second coming would be likened unto those of the days of Noah. There are some liberal Christians and they would nearly say that Noah was some sort of mythical figure. But Jesus didn't hold him to be a mythical figure. He held him to be a literal historical figure. And he used the examples of his life to apply it to the present day. And he said in Luke 17, 26, 27, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And that day is recorded for us in Genesis chapter 7 in the portion of scripture that we've been reading together this evening. We know that Noah lived in the most sinful century of all of humanity because it was the century that preceded the first judgment, the first worldwide judgment of God upon mankind and swept it all away. Let us, let us not underestimate it. It's not just some children's storybook. It is something that tells us of the might and awesomeness of Almighty God. When God judges Anna Long, when God judges Ireland, when God judges this world, none will be left behind. The judgment of God will sweep them all away, just as it was in the days of Noah. And that judgment came when Noah entered into the ark. Him and all his family. I think there are many similarities between our own day and that of Noah now. Many today have all types of uh, prophetical interpretations upon what's happening in the world. And there are many, and they'll tell you, these are the end of the end time days. I'm not saying that. Because I don't know that. And those who profess to know it, they don't know it either. But I can say they have all the resemblances of them. All of the resemblances of them. They're, they've all the same characteristics of them. But I believe things are going to get worse. We haven't seen, uh, we haven't seen as yet the depths of man's depravity when God withdraws his hand. Because that's what happened in the days of Noah. God withdrew his hand. And we'll see it again in our own day and generation. But in the story of the ark, we have a lovely picture of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and what does it teach us? There's only one way to be saved from judgment. And that is through salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. There, is, there, there are not a multitude of ways. There's only one way in which to be saved from the sure and certain judgment of God upon this lost, condemned and sinful world in which we live in. And it is through Christ and through Christ alone. So what are the parallels we can draw from it? Well, consider with me first of all the gospel invitation as we, we find it in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1. Notice carefully the invitation came from the Lord himself. The Lord in capitals, Jehovah God himself. The text very carefully says, come, come. 
Uh, it's the first mention of the word come in the Bible. And there are some 2,000 references to come in the word of God. This is the first one of them all. There are hundreds of references that God speaks directly and uses the word come to lost mankind. And it's a blessed thought that the Lord doesn't say go into the ark. The Lord says you come into the ark. Because if he said you go into the ark, it would have implied that the Lord was bidding Noah to depart from him. But he said you come. So he's asking Noah to come to him. And we're so we're so grateful, aren't we, as evangelical Christians, that we have an invitation of mercy and of grace to extend to lost mankind. It's in grace that we're gathered tonight. And it's in mercy that the invitation is extended once again this evening. And God says, come. He says, come. And he says, come to the oldest. And he says, come to the youngest. The whole tenor of the gospel is summed up in that word, come. How did Isaiah frame it? Isaiah 1.18, he said, come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Come now, not tomorrow, not next week, not another occasion when you hear the gospel, not some night down in the mission in Newcastle. God in grace says, come now. That's how urgent the invitation all is. Come now. We think of the Lord Jesus in John seven thirty seven, that last day of the feast. And he stood up and he said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. There's an abundant supply in what is provided for us in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're privileged tonight, men and women, to hear the tender invitation of the gospel once again. The Savior invites all to come to him. We're all worthy of judgment. Uh, I could understand if the Lord said to us, line up at the judgment bar and hear your sentence for all of God's great eternity. But the Lord instead, he, he invites sinners in the gospel to come to him and to hear the invitation of mercy. What a wonderful God we serve this evening. It was very personal, this invitation. He said to Noah and his family, come thou and all thy house. There would have been hundreds and thousands of families in the day of Noah. There would have been many other individuals that were invited. Could have been invited. But Noah was invited. Why? Because he found grace in the eyes of God. And it's those in whom God's grace is who will enter into the ark. Nobody else. They are the ones that will come. What a wonderful personal invitation. When Noah heard the voice of God, he, he knew it was now time. He knew the end was coming. And he dare not neglect it, nor did he refuse it. And I, I believe that when the gospel is preached... That God and grace is at work. Men and women, if we stop believing that, we might as well shut the door and go home. But when the word of God is preached, the spirit of God is at work. And God and grace is pleased to apply the simple word of the gospel to hearts and lives. It's just the word. God just takes the word and applies it and uses it to his own glory and to his own end. And he brings in from the multitudes, even of Anna alone. Even of lower morn, 
he brings in those people in his grace that he wants to present the invitation to. And he's presenting this invitation in grace to this selected group of people tonight. And he's saying to you come. It's encouraging that all the household was included in the invitation. He didn't say to Noah, you come but leave the wife behind. He didn't say to Noah and his wife, you come but see those children. No, they can't come in. You leave them behind. He said, Noah, you come. And Mrs. Noah, you come. And the sons, you come. And the, the, the daughter-in-laws, you come. Noah and his family, you're invited to come. I was thinking of, about this. Noah must have bore good witness and testimony in front of those sons. For over a hundred years he'd preached. And what was that? For a hundred years those sons examined his life. They, they listened his lips and they, they watched his life. He wasn't perfect. We know Noah wasn't perfect. Before he went into the ark and even after he came out of the ark, we know he wasn't perfect. But he was a man that bore good witness and testimony for God. And his family saw the reality of that in his life. And you know, parents, that's all we can ever ask for. That others will see the reality of God's grace in our life. They'll not see perfection. And I've often said, uh, the, only, the only perfect parents are those that didn't have children. We're not expecting to see perfection. And don't look for perfection. But we're looking for reality. The reality of God's grace in hearts and in lives. And Noah's family must have saw something of that reality in Noah's life and in his wife's life because they followed them into the ark and they were saved. And I want to say to all the parents that are in the meeting tonight, grandparents that are in the meeting tonight, what an awesome responsibility we all have to do nothing that would stop those that are following us from entering in. That would be a terrible indictment before Almighty God. And let none of us, I want to say this to you, do not rest, do not be contented until all of your family are in. Until all of them are in. Do not be contented until they are all in. Do not rest. Do not, as it were, lower your guard until you know that they're all safely garnered and gathered in. Oh, what a, what a man Noah would have been if he'd have shut the door knowing his three sons were on the outside. But he didn't. When he entered in, they followed him. The invitation is for all the family. God comes in special grace again this evening. And this invitation, it's for you, but it's for your household. Mum and dad, it's for you, but boys and girls, it's for you also. And he says, come. I want you to know the second day we're to apply this invitation that there's only one means of salvation there's only one means of salvation today we live in what theologians call the synchronistic age so we just blend it all together in other words all of the world religions come together and all of that of professing christendom it all just comes together and it doesn't matter whether you come from romanism or whether you come from 
a liberal modernistic Protestantism or evangelical background. Sure, we're all going to enter in through the one way. But that's not what the Word of God teaches. He says there's only one way of salvation. In the days of Noah, the Ark of Gopher Wood, it was designed by God and it was the only means of escape for all of the people in that antediluvian world. The only means of escape. The entire world, the entire world was destroyed by the floods, the waters of which were already rising upon the earth when, when Noah entered into the ark. And God said that the, the world was going to be destroyed by it. It's only those who were in the ark were going to be saved from it. And it's only those that are in Christ that are going to be saved from judgment. It's not anything else. Christ is the ark of salvation. The, strike, the, the comparison is very striking. In Acts chapter 4 verse 12. We read. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven. Given among men. Whereby we must be saved. There is none under heaven. No other name given among men. Whereby you can be saved. No other way. Only through Christ. Salvation is not through the catechism, much as we love it. Salvation is not through the confession, much as we revere it, much as we admire it. Salvation is not by the memorization of the creeds. Salvation is through Christ and through Christ alone. So tell me, have you entered in? Are you trusting in him? It is in union with Christ that the sinner is going to be saved. And you know, it needs to be said again tonight. And it needs to be said every time we gather. If you're not in union with Christ, you'll not enter in. It was because Noah knew the grace of God that he entered in. And it's only those who know the grace of God will enter in. And when everybody else was in trouble and when everybody else was drowning, Noah was at peace. Judgment all round about him, but Noah was at peace in the ark with God. Today, there are many people when they're, they're sending maybe sympathy notes to someone or they say it all the time up on social media somebody dies, they put that little abbreviation behind their own sympathy note, R-I-P. Even Protestant people put that behind their sympathy notes, R-I-P. What does it mean? Well, it means rest in peace. It's, it's like an aspiration. It's like a prayer. That that soul will rest in peace in God's eternity. But there's no peace, men and women, for those who die who are not in union with Christ. Because they are facing the judgment and will face the judgment for all of God's great eternity. Those who died in the flood, they are still being judged this very day in God's eternity. They haven't escaped the judgment. They're still being judged. And in eternity to come, when time is over, the judgment will only be starting for them. There's no R.I.P. If you're not resting in Christ, there's no peace either here or in eternity for you. This ark of refuge was, was divinely preordained of God. Before uh, the flood came... Even before the ark was made, it all existed in the mind of God, in the great decree of God. Genesis 6, 13, 14. God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. 
Uh, and then he said, verse 14, make thee an ark of gopher wood, etc. There are many people today, uh, and in their theology, they really are teaching that Calvary was an afterthought with God. But from all eternity, God had purposed to save a people for himself. It was in his plan. Christ was the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. There was ever only one lamb, and that was God's lamb, slain from before the very foundation of the world. And because the lamb has been slain, and because the ark is there, salvation is through him. Salvation is through him. All of his people are going to be saved. They're all going to be gathered in. All of that number, they're all going to be safely garnered and gathered in. Noah was a type of the great ark builder, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see, as John Phillips called him, the great antediluvian carpenter. Of course, the Lord Jesus was the, the carpenter, wasn't he? But Noah was the carpenter. He knew how to make things. He, he knew how to fashion wood from its raw, primitive uh, shape. And he produced a, a judgment-proof vehicle for a lost world. Out of what he made, a world was secured. And you and I are here tonight because Noah made a judgment-proof vehicle that could withstand the judgment and the condemnation of Almighty God. And we think of that carpenter of Nazareth, the Lord Jesus Christ. Through his life, through his death, he has provided a judgment-proof way of salvation for those that are trusting in him. And those that are in him are safe from the judgment of God for all eternity. And we don't need R.I.P. after our name. When I die, nobody needs to write after my name, R.I.P. I'm already at peace with him. Through Christ. And I will be in peace with him for all of God's eternity. What a blessing is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's think 30 for a little minute about the full provision that is made for the sinner in the gospel. In the ark, every need was supplied. There was nothing missing. You think of everything that happened when that door shut, when God shut the ark, when the family were gathered in. Anything that Noah needed for his existence, that his wife needed, that his sons needed, that his daughter-in-laws needed, that all of the animals that were in the ark with him needed, it was all ready in the ark. All of the riches and wealth of the world was perishing on the outside. If that's what you're trusting in tonight, one day God's going to take it from you. And one day it's all going to perish with the judgment of God upon this world. Worldly pleasures, they were all on the outside of the ark. Worldly sins, they were all on the outside of the ark. But everything that Noah and his family needed, they were secured on the inside of the ark. Everything that he'd known on the outside was past. It was a new world, a new order on the inside. If it was not in the ark, he was not able to get it. And all that you and I need for the journey to eternity, it's in Christ. 
There are many professing Christians and they're, 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 they're going like a helter-skelter all over the country looking for this and that and the other to satisfy their curiosity. But all that we need is in Christ. There's nothing more we need. In eternity to come, all we will have is Christ. All we will want is Christ. All we will be with is with Christ. Let us find our satisfaction in him. There was a wee lady in the church in Carrick, Fergus, many years ago. She used to quote that verse all the time to me. In Acts 17 and verse 28, In him we live and move and have our being. That's just satisfaction. Being satisfied with Christ. We're in the ark. We don't need anything else. He's all we need. He's all we'll ever want. He's all we'll ever need for the journey in life or for God's great eternity. In him we live and move and have our being. In the ark, of course, there were the various stories. We'll not go into all of that, the, the shape, the dimensions of the ark now. There were separate rooms or nests which were made for all of the inhabitants. But everybody found their, their special place from the storm. And, and I'm glad in Christ there's a special place for you to secure you from the storm. Just for you. The Lord knows exactly what's fitted for you tonight. He knows exactly that little nest that's fitted for you. He knows exactly that little nook, that little cranny that's especially made for you. And it's made for you to enter in and to be saved in it for all of God's great eternity. Uh, how we marvel at the gospel. All the provision that is made for us in it. But then, finally, let's consider tonight Entering into the ark requires a decision. Now, God made this ark. Noah built it. God invited Noah in, but he had to respond to it. He had to respond. And no matter how gracious the invitation, no matter how grand the structure, the day came when Noah had to personally decide Am I going in or am I going to chance it on the outside? And I, we, we, we read of his decision in chapter 7 and verse 7 that Noah went in. Noah went in. He came to the point where he crossed over the threshold. He went in. There are many people in the skirt around it for, for their whole lives. They, they spend their time with Christian people. They spend even their time in the church community, that professing community of the people of God. They, they spend their time even with other Christians and, and other Christian families, but they never enter in. And what a great tragedy it would be if you have spent all of your time around those who built the ark, those who believed in the ark, those who entered into the ark, but when the day would come, you wouldn't take that step of faith and cross over the threshold and enter in. And that's just like salvation. You have to respond to salvation. And we do call you to make a decision. I have no qualms even in using those words. Salvation does require a decision. You do have to decide. Or you do have to decide. Will you follow Jesus? Because he's calling you into the ark. Noah had to respond and 
Hebrews 11 and 7 tells us how he responded by faith Noah. Not wonderful. By faith Noah. We thought this morning just how can we draw an eye to a, 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 such a holy God. And we learned this morning it was by faith. Nothing else. By faith. And you need to take that step of faith tonight and come to Christ and enter in and be saved. Because if you don't, you're going to be left outside to face the, the awesome judgment of Almighty God. That day of decision, it came and went very quickly. It was a hundred years in coming. But the door closed just in a minute. It all came to an end just in a minute. You might spend your life listening to the gospel. You might spend your days, as we've said, in the Christian family that God uh, placed you. You might love even Christian people. But the door's going to close. And it'll close in just a minute. And if you're not saved, you'll be left on the wrong side of it for God's eternity. That door in the Bible is always very uh, symbolic. I think of that door in Egypt on the Passover night. All the, the lintels of the doorposts of the house of Israel. They had daubed upon them the shed blood of the Paschal Lamb. And that's what made the difference. They were on the right side of that door. They were under the blood. They weren't rejecting it. And I fear, I fear that there are some in the gathering tonight and you're on the wrong side of that door. You're rejecting it. Which side are you on tonight? Years ago I remember going to Noel Stevenson's meetings up in Belfast and Noel was a very dramatic, and I suppose still is, very dramatic character. I used to sing that chorus with the children, one door and only one, and yet the sides are two, the inside and the outside, and which side are you? And then he would stop in the middle of the chorus and he'd ask some of the workers, which side are you on? And he could just catch you, just wrong-footed, just for that moment. God's talking to you tonight, which side are you on? What side of the door of mercy are you on tonight? Because if you're found on the wrong side, on the day of God's judgment, you'll be lost for all eternity. The Lord Jesus invites you to enter in now, this very night. What a wonderful foreshadowing we have here. Because when the door was shut, Noah, his wife, his three sons and their wives, they were safe in the judgment. Safe in the ark of God's mercy. What a picture of Christ. May all our families be gathered in. All of them. From the youngest to the oldest. May they be saved. In Christ. Sheltered. From God's judgment. On that day of mercy. We're going to sing together just a few verses. Of our closing hymn this evening. 273 oh, I
pray that it will be your experience tonight.